Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 86. Now, this podcast holds a special place in my heart because today we get to speak to one of my mentors, somebody who knew me back when I was a little kid, and uh, I had the honor of learning some of my life lessons from him, but also just uh, staying in co- contact with him and seeing some of the things that he's done uh, over his the last 30 years Um of, of really giving back to his community, giving back to, uh, to people and investing in other people's lives. Uh, and so I am honored today to have Mr. Bob Tizit on the podcast today. Bob has spent the majority of his adult life working with young people and families. He's a teacher, coach, and counselor. His current position is CEO of Bear Lake Bible Camp. His life is filled with opportunities to minister into the lives of others. Bob enjoys reading, traveling, and good conversation, and an occasion uh, giving kids like me a hard time at camp. So, Bob, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Say hello to the audience, and uh, if you don't mind, tell them a little bit more about yourself. Well, thank you very much, Evan. It is good to be with you. Uh, at a distance is good because sometimes you did drive me crazy over here. So <laughs> uh, just uh, to everybody that's there, I'm Bob Tissett, uh, CEO of Bear Lake Bible Camp. Uh, I've been here 29 years. Uh, we came here full time June 17th, 1989. Uh, we're in pig country of Michigan. There's more pigs in our county than there are people. And the day that we moved into our house, uh, they were moving in pigs across the road. So it's always been a laughter thing for me. I tell a great uh, prodigal son story because of it. Uh, <laughs> but we came here uh, simply because I was in education for 16 years previously as a teacher, a coach. I coached football, basketball, I was a varsity basketball coach, coached a little college basketball, and came here because of my Christian faith. I just wanted to be more open and more direct. Uh, to come into a Christian camping environment, which is much different. Uh, my time in public education was excellent. And uh, I think one of those lessons I've learned about life is that wherever you're at, uh, especially in my Christian walk, people say, oh, you went into Christian ministry. And I go, oh, knock it off. I, I ministered when I was in public education. It's part of who we are, and it's a great chance that we get to do things and we get to invest in young people's lives. So my wife and I came in 1989, I uh, got married in 1983, uh, and uh, uh, when we got married, she says, uh, I just want you to understand, I don't ever see myself going into full-time Christian ministry. And I said, uh, I agree with you, I'm doing real well, and I'm moving up in education and the director of student services for a big school system, talk about being the principal of the high school, possibly superintendent someday, Uh, My wife is a physical therapist, uh, doing very, very well. And so we just said, that's good. We're in good shape. 
as long as we're open to what we think God calls us to do, what we should be doing, and where we are using our talents and abilities the very, very best that we can. So we started to have questions about it and working in public education. There were young people that I got to work with and tough issues in life, going through hard, hard stuff. And uh, I always tried to be very respectful of my Christian faith and not force it on anybody. Uh, but I'd go home sometimes and I'd say, Nance, I'd like to go someplace where I can just be more open with my faith and uh, walk through and talk through with people. So we began to do some things and look at some options. And one day we were coming back from the Detroit area where somebody was talking to us about going uh, to a church and doing some unique things. And as we we're driving back, Nancy looked at me and said, well, if we we're gonna do this and go into Christian ministry, why would we not go to Bear Lake Bible Camp? She says, every place that's looking for us right now, they really want you. And if we went to Bear Lake, I see how I fit in with the ministry and that we can we can do it together. And uh, she says, well, why wouldn't we go to Bear Lake? And I looked at her and I said, they don't have any money to pay us. <laughs> and uh, she looked at me and she said, well, I guess if we're following the Lord, that's probably not a good excuse. And I think I looked at her and said, you know, don't get spiritual with me now, woman. It's like, <laughs> we got kids, we got a family. And so as we talked and prayed through, it became a real clear thing. And one of the things to for those of you out there listening, if you're married, um, do it together. Not that, not that you do ministry exactly the way that we did, but it's a great story for me that Nancy stood with me in this whole thing. And so a 29-year journey has had its ups and downs. And so we got here to Bear Lake Bible Camp. Why a Bible camp? Why a Christian camp? I absolutely love the concept of being able to get away where I can let down all the stereotypes, where I can let down all the perceptions that everybody has of me. I can go into an environment where I can think, where I can just get a fresh start um, and where I can be challenged with who I am. I can be challenged with what I believe and how I do it. Uh, one of my prayers in coming to Bear Lake was that we would be Psalm 23, green pastures and still waters. And people looked at me and said, you got to be kidding. You, you do camp for kids. They stamp on, they stomp on every piece of grass there is out there. There's no <laughs> green grass. It's all brown. And, and still waters, they're stirring it up all the time. It's, I said, no, no, the concept is it is good for young people. It's good for you as young businessmen and businesswomen. It is good to take time to slow down once in a while. Life is so fast paced. And so the young people, we, we got to be with them and we got to see things and they get to think, they get to laugh, they get to experience things that they've never experienced before. They form face-to-face -face relationships. And my prayer has always been that those relationships have guts and depth and meaning to them. We live in such a technological age that we can do things on cell phones and things like this from huge distances. But to be able to go face to face with people and to form relationships that have guts and depth and meaning are absolutely crucial in today's world. Uh, it was back then 29 years ago. And in some ways, I think it's even more crucial today 
because there's so many other things that can so easily distract us. Wow, Bob, there's so much to unpack there. But I appreciate, first of all, just some of the, the, the things that you said in there. And I think these are I think these are things that we kind of need to recognize in our daily lives that are are important to us. I mean, you talked about how you were what you thought on on a path of your career that it sounded great. I mean, had you been a, a high school principal, I think you probably would have been a fantastic high school principal. But it's interesting to me that that changed over time and that you were okay with that change. You were open to that change. And um, especially when you when you talk to Nancy and, and, and really kind of listening to her and, and doing that uh, that decision together. That's, I think sometimes we as men get in a, into a situation where we, we feel like the weight of the world's on our shoulders and we feel like that we're the one that has to make this decision. We're the one that has to be the leader. We, we're the one that has to be a part of that. And I, I, I love the fact that she had the relationship with you that she felt comfortable saying, I, it needs to be something that I'm a part of too and that I'm comfortable with. And, and I don't know that it probably would have been as good of a situation for both of you had she not been able to provide that kind of input? No, I, it, not at all. Uh, I'm a much more upfront personality that's willing to talk to people, the counselor in me that cares about people. And Nance is a physical therapist by training. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's what's wrong, and you do this, this, and this to make it better. And so as we did it, she's much more behind the scenes. But, you know, it's we're at the end of it and people are going to walk on these grounds and they're going to say, look at everything that's happened in 29 years. It is a much, much different facility uh, than it was 29 years ago. And people will tend to pat me on the back uh, because I'm the upfront. I need to make sure that over and over and over again, that I look and say, no, no, you need to understand we did this together. This, this camp would not be where it's at today without Nancy. Uh, and I doing it together. And that's the beauty of it. Is it easy? Uh Uh-uh. Are there times that we disagree? Our biggest disagreements come over camp stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and so it adds a challenge to it, but at the same time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. I mean, we've done it together and it's better because we're together. Yeah. And the the interesting to me is that when you think about the position, it's really a lifestyle job. I mean, for those of uh, the people that have never been there before, it's, you live on the grounds that like everything you do re- re- revolves around this place. And uh, you like you become like a, an icon to that, that location. When you associate Bear Lake, you associate Bob and, and I, and, and definitely Nancy too. And Nancy's a, a big part of that, but it, it's so cool that you guys each had your roles and, and I feel like you were very well suited for, for each of your roles. And, and that's why, well, that's one of the reasons why there's such longevity to your career there and the amount of things that you guys have been able to accomplish just in that amount of time is, is absolutely uh, mind-boggling. Because if you don't understand Jones, and I know you, you talked about it being like big <laughs> country, it's, you know, it's, it's not a it's not a big town, and it's uh, it's, it's definitely a place that you could easily skip past and not know that there's this amazing ministry happening there that's affected. Uh, dare, dare I say tens of thousands of lives? I mean, it's it's definitely a lot. Uh, and the reach is much larger than I think that you could have ever imagined. And so when you're looking at what you've done there and the amount of time that you've spent there, what do you think it is about Bear Lake that's allowed you to achieve so much? Because on paper, especially probably when you went there, it, it, was, it wasn't probably the, the sexiest job in the world. 
So, so what do you think is the thing, the catalyst that's really uh, allowed you to achieve so much? Well, I think to achieve so much, it's not about me. Right. I really, I really believe it's about God. It's about what he desires to do in young people's lives. It's about what happens in the opportunities. And so I have a picture in my mind because, you know, it's, it's a great story. It's a wonderful story of growth and it's a wonderful story of reaching people. Uh, but I have this picture in my mind of when something good happens um, and people come, oh, that's wonderful, that's great. I try to always acknowledge it, look people in the face and say, thank you very much. Uh, and then in my mind, I have this picture where I scoop up this praise and I put it on this tray and I pick it up and I walk to the foot of the cross and I lay it at the foot of the cross and I say, to God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be the glory. Trying to keep my focus on this isn't about me. Um, our egos can destroy us really quickly and they destroy mm -hmm. our families. They destroy lives. Now, that sounds all real very heroistic and because uh, the reality is I lay it at the foot of the cross. And some days when I'm struggling a little bit, it's just kind of like I want to just take a little bit of chunk of that praise and just stick it in my pocket <laughs> so that when I'm having a time tough time later on, I can open up my pocket and it'll go, you're good, Bob. You're really good. Yeah. And uh, and that's a struggle. That's a struggle. So keeping the focus on what's the focus and how you're going to do it and what you do um, <clears throat> is it's crucial. And it, it means, number one, being at peace with yourself. I am who I am. I often say to everybody, are there people better looking than me? Yes. Are there people smarter than me? Yes. Are there people funnier than me? Yes. Are there people that are better athletes than me? Yes. Are there people that are better singers than me? Everybody. And, uh, and in the process of that, it's okay. It's okay. I'm at peace with who I am. I'm at peace with what I believe. And, and when all this stuff starts to happen, uh, I, I say, I've said to thousands and thousands of young people, I put my arm around them and say, just want you to understand you are a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. Yeah. You are, you, you are unique. There's nobody else exactly like you. You're unrepeatable. There never will be. And the way you walk, talk, act, and think, it's just, it's a miracle. And don't sell yourself short. We need to dream big when we yeah. go after all this stuff. Well, I think what we're talking about here is, is we're talking a little bit about, or not a little bit, we, we are talking about stewardship. I think that that's definitely the attitude that you've, you've, you've taken with uh, your time there is that you've been a steward of, of Bear Lake. You've been given these, these talents, you've been given these things, and you've been put in charge of it. And uh, now you're at a, 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 a situation where you're able to, to pass it on and uh, it, there's no ego to it because this was a role that you filled that you were, uh, in my opinion, created to do. And you've been able to have that ability to just impact so many different people's lives. And I love how you're talking about how someone's uniquely created, because I feel like that that was a conversation you had to set, have with yourself first. That was something that you had to, to talk to yourself and convince yourself because maybe when you're doing that comparison in the beginning, you're looking at all these, maybe all these reasons why you shouldn't be successful. You shouldn't be able to do the things that you do, but really what you're, you're honing in on is that you're not all those things because you're not supposed to be those things. You're supposed to be you. You're supposed to be that 
that unique created being that no one else can be like because there's not a I've, I've been around a few places. There's not any other baptisms out there that I know. And the fact that you have the opportunity to tell kids, which a lot of them probably right now are more hurting uh, now than they've ever been. You have the opportunity to speak directly into their lives, something that you've learned in your journey. And I would say that that message right there alone uh, can make a huge difference in a young person's life. Yeah. I think that, that the whole process of who you are and being comfortable with who you are. And we can say all the things that we want to say, but today it's a world that's just, you compare yourself with everybody. Uh, I'm 67 years old. And so when I was young, you compared yourself with the guy down the road, which I lived out in the country. So he was a half mile away. (laughs) I went to one room schoolhouse. I had three, two other guys in my class. And so I, comparison and then I went into the quote big city where there was 150 in my graduating class you know and then I went off to college and and so I think that you come to this point where it's who am I Lord how do I do this how do I use what you have gifted me with and to use it for your honor and glory and so seven years ago no no I'm I'm sorry several years ago I went and met with um couple guys and I just said, I'm just trying to figure out meaning, purpose and what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. I, I'm comfortable with who I am and what I do, but I, I kind of want to try to add some definition to it. So I went out and I took, oh, I took probably three or four personality inventories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then I took some spiritual gift inventories and I studied the results and looked at them. And then I found four men who, who thought highly of me, who cared about me. They were older men, and I met, I went and met with them, and I asked them the question, when you think of Bob Tissett, what do you think I do the best? And I listened to them, and uh, the overwhelming response was, uh, Bob, there's several people out there who, who will say things like, at some point in time, I sat down with Bob Tissett and had a conversation. And he stretched my thinking and he helped me think. He helped me realize some things. And I love to do public speaking. And I've been able to do quite a bit of it. Uh, I, all those kind of things. But I, but from those conversations and the personality test, I wrote a uh, life mission statement. And so my life mission statement, in order to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, I will conduct at least 300 quality one-on-one conversations in the course of every calendar year. Now, the 300s become kind of a joke with some people that I worked through this because I'm at a lot more than that. Yeah. But the idea of it was, was that, um, so now when I go to speak at a big gathering, I try to go to someplace where I can speak that afterwards I can sit down and have some one-on-ones. But somebody can come and say, because that's, that's what I do best. And I want to try to make sure I open the doors for those things to happen. And so, you know, you mentioned about coming to Little Jones. One of my friends came up to me several years after we'd been here and the ministry had started to grow. And he said to me, he says, I just thought you were going to shrivel up and die in Jones, Michigan. (laughs) He says, I just can't. He says, you're the only guy I know. He says, the criticism of teachers, which you've been doing for 16 years, that you guys only work nine months out of the year. And you're the only guy that I know that went from a job where you only work nine months out of the year to where you only work three months out of the year during the summer when the campers come. 
<laughs> I said, well, we are open year round. I would just let you know. Yeah, yeah. But that was a fair criticism. And, and in the process of that, I surrendered and I said, okay, Lord, how does this look like? I don't want to shrivel up and die in this little town. And God has opened doors through people and different circumstances. So I've got to teach some of our material in, in Russia and Jordan and East Africa and Brazil and Spain and Canada and throughout the United States. Uh, God's opened some doors and some opportunities that just I never thought I would have. And I think that's part of when you're comfortable with who you are and you're willing to express it and you're willing to live it. Um, that I think there's a huge thing today that people are looking for authenticity, uh, consistency. Are you who you say you are? Do you, what happens behind the scene when nobody else is looking? And so those are challenges that I've given myself in being comfortable at who I am and what I do. Uh, it's fun. It's a, it's been an interesting journey. Not always easy, but yeah. it is, it's been fun. Well, I mean, you're talking about being surrendered and being comfortable with who you are and being genuine and, and really taking time to, uh, to taking your time, your most precious, most precious resource and you're giving it to somebody else. And I think that all those things sound really, really basic, like, and not to, not to, not to discount any part of it, but it's just like, oh yeah, we should do that. But we never do. So why do you, why do you think it is that we're not genuine, that we're not comfortable with who we are, that we don't take the time to invest in the relationships that are most important? We, for some reason, we, we, we get most of those wrong. Why do you think that is? I think the first thing is that we abandon the basics. Uh, when I was a basketball coach, uh, <clears throat> we'd go through the year and we'd start putting in other plays and lots of other stuff. And we could start to get sloppy. And so about halfway through the season, I'd set everything aside and we'd go back to just the basics, good passing, good style, good forms, good, all this kind of stuff. And we return to the basics. And I think that, uh, I have a sign up in my office that says, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes we complicate things and then we get intimidated by people that we think that they are better at it, what they do. And they, we do the same thing, but they do it better and they're bigger and they're making more money and they're getting more notoriety and there's da -da 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 -da, and, and we start to lose. And then we think we have to do something else. And we get into the thing of number one, making ourselves happy, but then we try to make everybody else happy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think we then become distorted and we miss going back to the basics of who I am. What do I do best? How do I do it? And I rest in that. And I know what the basics are. I know what the basics are to, to, to do it right. It is to care that you go back to love the Lord, your God, with all your strength and heart and soul and mind. And then it talks about love others and care about others. And those things sound so good, but they're tough to do sometimes. You know, I, I tell people, are there any verses in the Bible that you just don't like? And people go, oh, no, I like, I like it all. I, oh, come on. I said, you know, how about do not grow weary in doing good? Yeah. I says, quite frankly, I can get sick and tired of trying to do good. And it's like, ah. 
And I go back to those things and I try to remind myself of the basics that it's okay. It's, it's okay to, it's okay to be stepped on. Bless those who persecute you. Are you kidding? Especially those guys that cut me off in the lanes and were driving my car. <laughs> I, I'd love to ram my car up the back of their backside and, and then say, to God be the glory. Your car just yeah. got wrecked, you know? <laughs> and so it's, it's those things that are the tension of it all. So I think the first thing is I go back to the basics. Uh, and, and one of the basics is, is for me at least, and this is a tough one in today's world is humility. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a very, very, very blessed man. I've had hundreds and hundreds and thousands of conversations with young people, people like you, Evan. And you know what? I'm privileged. And people say, well, yeah, well, you talk to us. And it, I think that there's a, a attitude of thankfulness that we lose and we want we want to be thanked, but we don't necessarily want to be as fast to thank others. And um, so thankfulness has come back and, I, you know, you go into fundraising and how you fund a ministry like this and gifts. And, and the, one of our biggest donors, the biggest gift we ever received, I talked to him, I said, I could never, ever say thank you enough. I said, what you're doing is launching us to the next thing of improving this place and facility wise. And the man said to me, he said, no, he says, what you do with young people's lives is a huge blessing because I don't have that talent. He said, I've got some money and I can help you. He says, what you do. And he said, I can never thank you for the impact that you've had in our family's life and how our kids are different because of being involved in the ministry at Barely Bible Camp. Um, that's pretty humbling stuff. And so I think when you come to all of this of humility, uh, one, of the, one of my expressions is allow other people to be your cheerleader. Uh, so often we try to promote ourselves. And man, I'm talking to people in the business world. You say, well, I've got to advertise and I've got to do this and this and this. And I think that sometimes we so get caught up into trying to promote what we do for good reasons. But what we really end up doing is we start to distort it because we think we got to impress everybody. And uh, one of my things is allow other people to be your cheerleaders. Allow other people to, to stand and say thank you. And my life has been, that's happened to me several times where people that, so much smarter and talented than I am have said, Hey, go talk to Bob Tissett. He's a man worth listening to. And, and all of a sudden doors open that just kind of blow me away. And uh, so again, I think that that's a whole thing of how do you lose this? You go back and I've, one of my goals here in finishing at Bear Lake on May 31st, one of my goals, my number two goal is uh, that I will draw closer to my wife than I've ever drawn before. Uh, because it's emotional in some ways. Yeah. And and so we continually, and we're trying to communicate better than we've ever, and I think we've communicated well, but it's just, it's a new goal because there's changes coming. Yeah. The first one on my list, the first one on my list is to avoid pity parties and anger fests. Uh, And that's been a huge challenge. And for anybody in business, whatever else, 
you know, the pity party is with the poor me syndrome. No, nobody listens to me and nobody this and nobody that. And I was reading through in the Bible and Joshua did that. They lost a battle and it says Joshua falls on his face and oh, sovereign God, you're going to, we're going to be forgotten. We're going to be crushed. And it's interesting because he's a little bit of a pity party and God says, stand up, Joshua, stand up, deal with what's going on and let's get on with it because pity parties destroy us. Yeah. And, we, and you know, and everybody, everybody has a right to them. Uh, my father died August 4th, uh, 12 days later, my father-in-law died. That was a tough time. And uh, one of my friends called me and says, how you doing, Bob? And I said, that's tough. He says, you know, the good news is I've, I've been invited to eight pity parties and four anger fests today. The good news is I've only attended half of them. You know? <laughs> and the guy laughed and said, oh, I understand what you're trying to say to me. And so that's another thing. I think that it, just in this whole thing of, getting back to the basics is look out, you know, you, you are going to be mistreated. You are going to, and the leader oftentimes gets exhausted uh, just because of the continual onslaught that comes after us. And so as a leader, I want to stand up. I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to throw my, the people that work here at Bear Lake under the bus and say, Oh, they said this, or they said that. My relationship with Nancy, sometimes when things happen, I go, well, you know, it's her fault. She did it. And I think a good leader, a good leader in the hardest blood and guts moments stands up and takes responsibility. It, it all kind of points back to that that humility part that uh, that you were talking about and being genuine. I mean, you can't have a pity party if you're humble. You can't, you, you just, they just don't exist on the same plane. And so, it, again, it's that, that stewardship of, of recognizing that that you're here to guide this thing but it's not your own you you don't have to worry about anger and all that other stuff because you're there doing your job doing the things that you were created to do and be and when you've completed that i could see where maybe that would slip in a little bit i don't think that's going to be too tough for you because i mean i I, just hearing your heart in all of this I, i feel like this is just this has been something that you've given completely to and yeah, there may be a little bit of uh, opportunity for pride and ego or potentially pity and, and anger, but I think more along the lines, you're, you're looking more at legacy. You're looking at the the time that you were there and you can look back and reflect upon everything that's happened. And I think that's the greater story. That's that's where the true meaning in all of it is. It's not what am I doing next or what's, what's coming up next. It's, it's I have a foundation of all of these things that I've gone through, all the things that I've done, uh, and I'm, I can build on top of this. I have I have so many resources at my disposal uh, that I, I almost don't know how to channel them next for the next thing because you're you're in such a perfect role for it. But uh, I, I do want to kind of uh, steer things around a little bit because I want to talk about overcoming adversity and I want to talk about uh, challenges because you know in in 29 years, a lot of things can happen. A lot of good things, uh, but there's also challenges that come up and, and there's, uh, you know, economic times that are a struggle or there's, uh, there's natural disasters that happen. I mean, you ha- you guys had probably the craziest thing happen. I've never seen this happen anywhere. And yet you happen, this and septic tanks, I think have been your vice, uh, is, um, 
the 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 dining hall, this gigantic building, which I don't even know how much it's worth, but it's I think to redo it, it was a couple million dollars. The roof caves in in the winter time. There's no way that this thing's gonna be back and and operational in time for camp. And I'm gonna venture to say that most of the revenue that supports the ministry and supports the camp comes from having campers on site and having that opportunity to to invest in their lives. So you're in this situation of our main gathering place where we feed people, which is kind of important. Um, and you actually do chapels and a lot of other stuff there. A lot of activities there is decimated by this snowstorm. And you're the leader. You're the guy in charge. Kind of talk me through that. What when that something like that happens? How do you respond as a leader? What's what's the thought process? What are, what are the things that you go through? Uh, the first thing I probably did was uh, pity myself for being a leader. <laughs> and it's like, okay, get over that real quickly because we got to get going. And the, uh, yeah, it was a, I'd been on the road speaking and I flew in that night and I said to Nancy, I'm going to spend tomorrow and just kind of rest and relax and get my head together. And about 8.30 in the morning, I got a call from the finance director and said, uh, where are you at? And I says, I'm at home resting. And she said, not for long. Uh, she said, the dining hall just collapsed. And so I said, oh, okay. So I drove up and came in the back way towards the kitchen area. And I said, uh, that, okay, that's not too bad. I don't, can't see too much. So I walked in the back door of the kitchen and the kitchen was still standing. And, but here was all kinds of insulation on the floor and ceilings that were crunched. And so then I walked to the front part where the, there were some doors that opened that looked out in the dining hall. And as I looked out, all I could see was two by fours and a blue sky and a collapsed building with a picture. With a picture here at Bear Lake Bible Camp, we do what we call a hobo breakfast where we cook out on tin cans. Yeah. And they had, a, they had a picture of the egg and the bacon on the can and, and the and the and the thing is swaying and the across the thing with a picture upside down just swinging there <laughs> and I thought oh boy and so I looked at it and I and my first thought is what are we gonna do um, I I hope this makes sense but I think the first thing we gotta do is is uh, I just kind of said okay Lord you know this uh, you got this because I'm clueless man and uh, and then I tried to laugh. I tried to find something to laugh about and I and I came back and I started to go into some Thanksgiving things thinking about the many lives and we'd had 180 people in that building uh, hours before it had collapsed mm -hmm. and so I was like thank you Lord that those people all were gone when it collapsed or we had major problems yeah and uh and then those then those nice well well-meaning people come up to you and say I just want you to know that God's going to provide, and it's going to be better than it's ever, ever been before. <laughs> and and I believe that, and it's true, but it was like, at the moment, it was like, sometimes I'm not real spiritual, but I looked at, I wanted to look at him and say, would you just shut up? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hurting right now. Just, and I, you know, that's nice. That's, a, that's the right answer. I understand. Yeah. I remember standing with a young man looking out into the collapsed building, and I remember I remember saying to him, we're not about buildings, we're about people. And we are going to impact people's lives 
and we are going to go after it with whatever we can, however we can, we can rebuild a building. Mm -hmm. But we can still invest in people's lives. And I have to, if I have to serve meals at the flagpole, uh, we'll figure out how to serve meals at the flagpole. And so there was a determination and kind of a refocusing uh, that says, um, we're going to do this. Now we got to get creative in our thinking and figure out. Uh, yeah. one, of my, one of my expressions that is, uh, I call them ticidisms. A ticidism is something that I'm sure that somebody else has said. I just can't find out who said it, so I take credit for it myself. Okay, but, uh, fair enough. But, but one of those ticidisms is, the first seeds of bitterness are planted in our lives when we are right, or at least we think we are. And I had this unbelievable chance to become a very bitter man. Why didn't we do this right? Or why didn't this happen? Um, <clears throat> we'd had a board meeting nine days before the building collapsed. And we'd had a discussion about the next set of building projects. And one of the board members says, is the dining hall big enough, Bob? And I said, yes. I said, we will have totally maxed it out. Our staff will have to eat outside on the decks during the summer, but they do anyway. So, but I says, it'll, it'll hold everybody. It'll just be really tight. So we went through the whole thing and the board voted for a cabin project that we were going to work on. And the board member came up to me at the end and the board member said, I still don't think the dining hall is big enough. And I looked at the board member and I said, I am 64 years old. <laughs> if I can get this cabin project up and going, the guy after me is going to have to worry about the dining hall. Nine days later, the dining hall collapsed. <laughs> and I always say to people, it's like God was up in heaven just kind of looking down going, hey, watch this, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess who's going to have to deal with it now? Yeah. And so trying to keep that, because you go through, in business people, you understand, you go through insurances, you go through the design, you go through the getting rid of the building, you go through the memories that are there, and you go through all of that stuff, and your mind almost gets overwhelmed. And it's easy, it's easy in those situations when the hardest stuff comes, that is the easiest to plant bitterness in your life. Yeah. Poor me. And I use an analogy I say to people, it's like people can people can plant people can deliver bitterness seeds to us. And sometimes it's like they they back up a whole truckload of bitterness seeds to our house. But the only person that can sow the bitterness in our lives is ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we get frustrated and that was with the dining hall, working with insurance companies and designers and builders there were times that it just didn't go well and it was like people backed up bitterness seeds to me and i had to make a decision that i would not allow myself to sow that in my life because sometimes you get so frustrated so angry it's like you take the bag of bitterness seeds you rip off the top and you put them in your hand you go <laughs> and you sow bitterness seeds in your life and after you've been so mad and sowed them then you kind of go like there, I feel so much better now. But then a very short period of time, they grow up and they choke you and yeah. they destroy you. And so when we went through this and how we did it and 
what we did, it's an incredible story, story after story. Um, $2.1 million to rebuild. Uh, 500,000 came from insurance money. And, uh, and we're not a big camp. We're fairly small and that's big time stuff for us. Yeah. But, uh, today the building and when the building, we had the, we had the money to finish the rebuild project in hand before it was done rebuilding, uh, 2.1 million dollars, 1.6 that people gave to help us to get there. And, uh, that's where you go back to and you say, it wasn't me. That's you're out of my league when it comes to those things. Yeah. But to watch what happened and how it happened and then to hear stories. Um, then you walk in the building and it's, uh, it's humbling to stand there and look at this beautiful building. That's above and beyond what I expected it would be. Yeah. And they, most people come and put their arm around me and said, see, I told you. <laughs> and I said, I'd still like to tell you to shut up. <laughs> but they're right. And so you get to see it. And I, I love the I love the creativity and working with young people. Young people came and gave themselves. My favorite gift in that whole rebuilding. Well, uh, the favorite gift was the really, really big one. Yeah. But one of my favorite gifts was um, I got a, a letter from a nine-year-old and opened it up and it said, sorry that your building fell down. Hope this helps. And taped to the letter was a quarter, a dime, and three pennies, 38 cents that she had given out of her piggy bank or whatever. And, uh, and I immediately, I immediately wrote her, I wrote her the official receipt letter and I 39 cents. And I wrote her a note thanking her and put it in the envelope and put a 49 cent stamp in it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, here's somebody who gave what they could give and wanted to do something about it. And we need to applaud people like that. And maybe that's a young lady that someday is going to have a chance to give somebody a million dollars to help. Uh, but because she gave 39 cents and somebody stopped and said, thank you. It means a lot. Um, those are things where I think that you, those, those were stories that helped me in the horror of something like that happening. Um, that you, you think, you know what, in the worst of it all, sometimes I get to see the greatest blessings. Absolutely. So, so we've talked about a little bit, you're, you're, you're completing your 29th year in May yep. and you're hand, you're handing over the, uh, you're handing over the keys. You're handing over the, the golf cart keys, which I think are probably the the biggest one for you. But uh, so that's a big transition, and, and and you have a major event like like that that building collapse, and it teaches you. It shows you that it's not you, and you have this, I would say, expanded capability of trusting God because of it. Mm-hmm. And now you're in a situation of transition. Do you believe that events like that have adequately prepared you for this moment, for this moment of going into some sort of unknown? Because you're you're really forced to trust again. And does it make it that much easier for you, or is the struggle just the same? I uh, I think the things I've learned. I think one of the lessons of life 
is at 67 years old, I don't want to stop learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you've done the things I've done and work with young people is I have so much life experience now that I will spend one of my expressions. I will spend too much of my time trying to tell everybody everything I know and not enough time listening to what they want to know. Yeah. And so I, one of my goals is that in this thing is I want to keep learning. And so I talk about, and I've been talking about finishing well, and what that looks like and how we do it. And so as I've walked through it, it's what am I learning today? I'm learning that finishing well is harder than I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, because there's so many factors involved in everything. And so I tell the staff, we're going to be done on May 31st. We need to get ready for the summer. You guys need to go off and go after some things. And so then they go off and they go after some things. And it's not the way that I would do it. And I go, why don't you listen to me? And they go like, well, you told us to go do it. And I go, oh, yeah, I understand. I, and so frustration comes in. And so that whole thing about finishing well, the other expression that I use a lot is the best is yet to come. Uh-huh. For Bob Tissett and Nancy Tissett, the best is yet to come. What does that look like? How does that mean? Right now I say to people, people say, well, what are you going to do next? I say Hebrews 11 and 8. And people go like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, the Bible, it talks about Abraham when called of God to go to a land that he did not know. And one of the things in life and one of the things for business people is that you young guys are out there. It's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah. It's okay. But we try to invent answers because we want everybody to think how smart we are. And so when people say, what are you going to do next? I look at him and say, Hebrews 11, 8. If you had gone to Abraham and said, Abraham, where are you going? He would have said, I don't know. How are you going to get there? I don't know. When are you going to go? I don't know. Abraham, what do you know? And it goes back to what we started with. Abraham said, Abraham would have said, I know I'm called of God. Bob Tissett knows that he has a purpose. The 300 quality one-on-one court conversations in the course of every calendar year. I'm not going to go sit in my chair. I'm going to dream about how I can invest in young people's lives. I define young people as anybody younger than 67. So that's pretty, <laughs> I got a pretty big crowd out there. Uh, yeah, but no, that's, that's great. I'm going to keep dreaming of that. And I'm going to keep going. And we're getting calls. We're getting calls of, People are saying, could you come and meet with us? Could you just help me walk through some things? Uh, We're going through something that's not real easy right now. Uh, I was at a camping conference, and I met with three men who just asked for some time to talk to me. Very, very, very successful in their camps and their business ventures. But then they shared that, you know, their marriages are not doing very well. Yeah. And we can get so caught up in being, quote, successful in business ventures that we become unsuccessful in family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I I hope to spend some time talking with people and encouraging people and just say, get a perspective. Uh, We just had a meeting. Uh, Nancy and I, I asked to have a meeting with all of our staff, interns and employees who are under 30 years old. And so I treated to dinner. Uh, that's the way I get young people to talk to me if I pay for bill for food. Uh, and I asked them this question. 
how does a 67 year old man who cares about people and cares about young people, how do I not become a stupid old man? What do I need to do? What do I have to bring to the table that can help you guys? And uh, it's an incredible conversation. And basically they, they said, number one, we need people who truly care about us. Yep. And number two, we want somebody who will listen and just not tell us everything. Mm-hmm. And we sat there and we uh, listened and they said, <clears throat> they said, we think that you should open a ice cream store on the corner of 40 and 60 in Jones, mm-hmm. Michigan. Nancy can run the business and you can sit at one of the booths and just talk to everybody. <laughs> and I thought, well, that sounds pretty good. You know, <laughs> Well, it's got so, ice cream, so I feel like that. I mean, that right there is a great start. That's right. I'll get them there, and if they don't have the, they don't have the money to buy the ice cream, I'll pay for it if they'll talk to me. That's the way it works. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, and that kind of leads into one of the questions that that, that I, I wanted to talk about was, I mean, when you're talking about 29 years, I mean, there's multiple generations of of kids and and people coming through, so. <clears throat> How do you how do you relate to them? How do I mean? I know you're saying that they want you to care and listen, but I mean, has that been the has that been the theme from the very beginning, or has there has there been things that have changed that you've had to adjust and adapt with? Yeah, I think that you know that how do you do this as you get older, and what do you do? And number one, listens listening is important, and the listening and the caring are absolutely huge. Uh, humility is part of it. I'm not better than you guys. I struggle in all the same ways. Uh, you are a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. And Bob Tissett is not threatened by you being more than what I've ever accomplished. Um, <clears throat> you know, I coached football for a while and I did some studying of all those things. And there were a couple coaches that purposely kind of sabotaged successful programs when they left and moved up the ladder, just kind of to make it everybody see what a great coach they were when the other one went downhill. Mm-hmm. And I think we sometimes do that to people. We set them up for it to be worse. Uh, so everybody can say, Oh, look how good they were. And to me, that's arrogance and that's stupidity. And so as you, as you look through and I look at young people and one of the things that's been a thing I hope that people have seen is, you know, this guy cares about us and he dreams about us and he's not threatened. If we would do more and accomplish more than he's ever accomplished in his lifetime. He is going to cheer for us. He's going to be yelling and screaming on the sidelines and, and then maybe even kicking them a little bit when they need to be kicked. But I'm not threatened by, is, am I successful or who's successful or however it goes? Uh, I think that's good. I think another key to this thing about relating to youngers and everything else is this whole thing about um, don't don't get so impressed with yourself that you're not willing to go to people and say, I'm sorry. Uh, to go to young people and say, you know what? I messed up on this one a little bit. It's okay to go to young people. There's a young man, I hope he's come to the open house we have here in a couple of weeks, who I've said to him, and he's gone through drugs and alcohol and all kinds of stuff, and I've said to him, I said, you know, there's coming a day that I won't know what to say to you. I love you. I care for you. I said, but I said, there's going to come a day that 
I won't know what to say. And instead of running away from you, which is what tends to happen, because we're, it's like I'm hopeless now. I said, I'm just going to come and stand next to you and not say anything. <laughs> I just want you to know that when I'm standing next to you saying nothing is I'm saying I love you. Yeah. That happened uh, about two years ago. The person came to camp and just he's great young man. I just love him a ton. And but he's he's trying to still trying to figure it all up. And I just went and stood next to him and didn't say anything. And he turned and looked at me and said, I hear you. And I think that's pretty cool. Is that sometimes in this working with young people, it's not about all that we say. It's about being there. And somebody that they can look at and say, you know, when it, when the sky falls in, uh, Bob Tissett will not um, turn his back on me because uh, you had your chance. I moved on. They would, when it gets to the dark moment, and they say, I don't want to go. But I'd be so proud to have somebody say, maybe I can go talk to that guy. Yeah. Maybe Bob will still talk to me and listen. And I think those are things um, I don't try to be, I don't try to be uh, 20 or 30 years old. Uh, other people had to come to hook me up to all of this stuff to talk to you. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you don't know, you should get more technological savvy and you should this and this and this. And I, I look at them and say, oh, yeah, I understand. Yep, yep. I, I am who I am. I, yeah. I dress, I try to dress fashionably, but I don't try to be their age. I don't, I've watched so many people trying to be them uh, that they stop being who they are. Uh, you're trying to be younger. You're trying to be cool or whatever the right terminology. I, I just had a young person that came to me and said to me, um, just talking about, said, thank you. You, just, you understand what I'm thinking. I said, he said, that was really good. And I said, you know, I said, if if I ever hit a moment where you think I'm being cool or whatever the right word is, I says, it's probably happened by accident. Yeah. So you just kind of need to tap me on the shoulder and go, you're doing good, Bob. Keep going. I said, because it's probably, it's probably purely accidental. And, and then they laugh with me. And I, you know, I, I look at young people and I, I love working with young people. And I, it, they come and say, Bob, could you do this for us? And now at 67, I say to him, you know what? You need to go write that down on a piece of paper because at my age, there's a 75% chance that that brain cell just died. <laughs> and the kid looks at me and they laugh and they go, oh, that's a good idea. And I, but you know what? I just got a young person to write something down. And, and sometimes I think to try to be all they are with technology and everything you know, there's some things I believe really strongly in. I believe in face-to-face. -face. I believe in a relationship. I, and I think that we can tell people off on our phones and we can do all kinds of things. At camp, for all of our camps, we still pick up cell phones or we tell them to leave them at home. And we did a survey last year because I'm concerned that kids may stop coming to camp because they can't have their cell phone with them. Yeah. And when we asked the kids, I got to remember, these were kids that had been here for a week already. When we asked them, should we let you guys use your cell phones? The overwhelming response was, no, please don't. We had better time here without our phones because we re developed relationships. 
And so I, those are things that in this part about getting older, it's okay. It's okay to be 67 years old. It's who I am. It's okay to care about young people. It's okay to look at them and say, you guys, I don't have all the answers to anything, but I certainly want to listen. And I certainly want to help because I believe very strongly that they are valuable and they are meaningful and they have meaning and purpose. And somebody's got to put their arm around them and encourage them in that. And in the same breath, when we do that, we also open the doors for a challenge, for a chance to challenge them in ways that they need to grow. And uh, those are, I, I dream about being an old guy that kids will say, Bob, I give you permission to speak into my life as hard as you want. I would rather have you, I would rather have you speak into my life and be wrong than to not speak into my life because you're afraid you might be wrong. And I think that in working with young people, um, that's a, a key thing. A, I don't have I don't have all the answers, but I certainly care, and I certainly want to help you sort through something. Well, Bob, thank you for for being there for me, for being there for all the different lives that you've you've impacted over these twenty nine years. When we kind of started this, I told you you'd have an opportunity to speak directly to the audience, and I feel like you've been doing it <laughs> the whole time. But I, I want to give you the final word. I want to give you an opportunity um, to leave kind of your message to young business leaders. You know the audience. You know who they are. You know what they're trying to accomplish here and, and what we're trying to accomplish uh, here in the podcast. But, I mean, there's been so much, and I, and I feel like uh, I know where you're going to go with this, but uh, what would you say your message is to young business leaders? I Understand who you are, understand your meaning, meaning and purpose. Understand it is good to give of yourself. Um, that in the, in the desire to get stuff uh, is that you don't sacrifice the very, very best of who you are and what you have to give. Uh, it talks about, you know, I mean, we know all the expression, better to give than to receive, and that sounds all those things, the Bible talks about no, God is no man's debtor. I left a $45,000 job in 1989 to come to Bear Lake Bible Camp where they paid me $800 a month. And I had people that told me to my face, you can't do that. You can't take care of your family. And 29 years later, I can tell you stories that would just kind of blow you out of the water about how God's provided and things that have been absolutely incredible. So I think, I think that's kind of the word is, hey, you guys, it's, it's not about yourself. It's almost countercultural. Because counterculture or culture today is get what you can get, get what you can get, give what you can get. And I guess my last challenge, as I've said to people here, to kids here, somewhere in life we have to move from being a taker to being a giver. And if you never make that transition, I believe you miss the greatest blessings of life. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to my audience. Uh, I'm really excited about your next endeavor, whatever it may be. And, and I, I don't know that I can say thank you enough 
for all the things that you've done for my life and for for many of the people that I know that you've impacted. So um, it's my honor to have you here on the podcast today and, and to share your message and share your story uh, with our audience. So uh, for those of you who are listening who are Bear Lake people, I know that there's probably some that are going to tune in. They're going to see Bob's name in here. Um, Bob, tell them again the dates of that uh, that going away party that you're having. I know you're promoting this, like I think, May 21st. Yep. Uh May 20th, Sunday, May 20th. May 20th, from, okay. Yep, May 20th from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock p.m. They're going to be going away. And the purpose of the open house is for Nancy and I to say thank you to people. And I know that people are going to come and, you know, we're going to say thank you to you, and I'm not going to get into battle with anybody. But, <laughs> yeah, great opportunity just to say thank you to people. And Evan, for you, just thanks, buddy. I remember the, the talks here. Your family is a huge blessing to us. And uh, God has blessed us. And it is good. <laughs> it's the right time and it's the right thing to happen. Well, I'm excited for you. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the young businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.